Now, in our remaining time, we want to talk a little bit about counseling. We've been studying counseling. Cody's been teaching the course. And this morning, I just want to give a few general terms about the broader perspective on counseling. One time when I was about Cody's age, a man named Jay Adams came to our church, had a little seminar, and that really changed my life at that time in a very fundamental way. So I want to share with you a couple of ideas this morning from Dr. Jay Adams, a competent counsel and the Christian Counselor's Manual. If you're doing any counseling, these are excellent resources to have. Now, counseling really is just solving problems. We help other people solve their problems. They may not be Christians. They may be Christians. They may be religious people. But we also, in so doing, help ourselves to solve our problems. And that's a good thing about a study on counseling because everything you hear, you can apply to yourself. Now, there's some fundamental reasons why people can't grapple correctly with their problems and solve their problems. And first, let's put some of these on the board, and then we'll take a look at how it works. Uh, I trust everybody has a Bible. We'll look up some verses. Here is the uh, first problem. People do not know God. People do not know God. We've we talked a lot about that. We've looked at the book by J.I. Packer, Knowing God. Now, I'm talking about two different things here. Sometimes people don't know God through Jesus Christ in a personal way. They're not Christians. Other times, they may be even Christians, but they don't know what the Bible says about God. Take a look in Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. Let's all turn to that. It would be a good passage to mark in your Bible. The Old Testament... Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And if somebody uh, gets there, why don't you just stand and read that verse. Those two verses, 23 and 24. Here's what God says. Any takers? Okay, Jacqueline, thank you. Excellent. You want to boast? Boast in the Lord that you understand and you know Him. And that's going to lead us into number two. But before we go there, let's ask ourselves some penetrating questions from that course, Behold Your God. It's a good one. Maybe we'll do it all together sometime. Listen to this. Do you think that the most noticeable, the most distinguishing thing about your life is that you know the living God? It really should be. Because what you think about God determines what you think about everything else in life. Do you think that Jesus is the most precious thing about Christianity? Or do you find that the idea of what He can do for you is more enticing than who He is? I'd have to admit that uh, that's what I've been thinking about a lot of times through the course of my life. What can Jesus do about this problem? What can I do about this? Do you find those passages of the Bible which describe God most interesting? Or would you rather prefer to read a description of how He can benefit you? Now certainly He can benefit us, but the main thing is God and who He is. Do you substitute a one-time experience of salvation 
for an ongoing understanding and knowledge of the divine person. And the last one, do you mistakenly think it a mark of ingratitude to want more than forgiveness of sin, to ask God to let you know him better each day? There's enough of God that if you study your entire lifetime, there will always be more than you can know about him because he is infinite. Now, we said to know God and understand Him. Well, the second thing would be do not understand when I have a problem. It may be because I do not understand God's ways. And we've talked a lot about that one. God says, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts from Isaiah there. God does things a certain way. And one of the ways that God really accomplishes much in the lives of Christians, non-Christians, maybe bringing them to Christ, is through, anybody want to guess? Problems, yes. Adversity or problems. Now it says in the book of James there, Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face problems, trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance has to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God wants us to be mature in Christ, conformed to the image of Christ. And he goes on to say in that passage, if any of you lacks wisdom, do what? Ask God, and it will be generously given to him without discrimination. That is an excellent passage. We've got to have that passage here, but also have it here to know that when a problem comes, God may be wanting me, I shouldn't say maybe, He wants me to learn something through that problem. What it is He wants me to learn, I may not know, but as I'm seeking Him, as I'm responding in a biblical way, He's going to teach me or lead me along the path so that I can learn a lot of things about trusting in Him, about prayer, about seeking counsel, giving counsel, all kinds of things. God has a program for each one of us, and it includes dealing with problems and helping other people to deal with their problems. So here's the uh, third thing here. And this one's a little bit different because it's not about God. It's about us. Sometimes I do not understand the problem. I just don't have a good definition of the problem. And sometimes you've heard people say uh, defining the problem is a good first step towards solving the problem. What is the problem? Well, oftentimes the problem is self. And not all the time, but many times the problem is self. There may be another person who's actually doing things incorrectly, and they're not following the Scripture, and they've got all kinds of problems, but I may be responding to that in the wrong way, where God may want me to be like His Son Jesus and have compassion and understanding and kindness and all of those things toward that person who is just unreasonable and maybe even be able to help them to see some of their problem. So here's my challenge here. I've got to not only understand the problem, but I've got to understand how I relate to that. Now, if we're hitting pretty good on number one and two, 
then number three, I can assure you, is going to come out a whole lot better. Let's look, open your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. We've studied this, and we want to um, take time to read that whole passage there. But it talks in the passage about Christ, and it talks about His character, and then it talks about His work. You see, we're right here. It talks about knowing Christ, who He is, then it talks about what He's done for us, and then it talks about what should my response be. Now, as you're looking in Colossians 1, beginning in verse 3 there, uh, let me just read to you some things that I pulled out in deference to time. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. In Him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. He has preeminence in all things. And that's not everything that's there. But that's telling us about Jesus. Jesus is the one who is preeminent because He is the fulfillment of God's plan for all of creation and certainly to solve man's problem. Now take a look at His work. Go to verses 12 through 14 and verses 20 through 22. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He's delivered us from the powers of darkness. He's conveyed unto us the kingdom of His Son. He's redeemed us, forgiven us, reconciled us. He made peace with us and presented us holy and blameless and above reproach. Now that's a lot. And we're just kind of skimming over it. But if you're in a prayerful and meditative mood and you sit down and you read what Christ has done for you, that can really bring some thanksgiving to your heart. And a lot of times the attitude of your heart is what helps to solve the problem. Because many times we're thinking, woe is me. God has forgotten about me and I'm just dealing with this on my own and it's terrible. But God has not forgotten about us. He didn't forget about anything. And here's what all He's done for us. Now look in verses 9 through 12 and then verse 23. What is my response to His character and to His work? Is it, oh hum, saved from hell on my way to heaven? Well, it ought to be more than that. Listen to this. We are to walk worthy, be fully pleasing to Him, be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, for all patience and long suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father, continuing in the faith, grounded and steadfast, not moved from the hope of the gospel. Now, that's not a to do list, that's just an idea of what's going to be flowing out of a life of someone who really knows Christ, who knows the Father through Christ, and who's really in love with Christ. Many times, that will be the thing that will solve our problems. If we're scoring pretty good on number one and number two, a lot of times number three can be resolved much more simply and much more easily. Now, let's talk. Uh, we mentioned the fact that there is a purpose in problems. Put down there, if you're taking a note in your Bible, James 1, 2 through 8. Let's look at one other passage because we want to be sure we understand God has a purpose in my problem. Whatever it is, God is going to use that to bring glory to Himself 
and to Christ. Look in Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 through 5. This is a companion passage to James. He says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we've obtained an introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, verse 3, what else do we rejoice in? Did you say tribulation? I don't like that verse. We rejoice, we exult in tribulations, knowing that we're going somewhere. Now, according to the text, where are we going? Because tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. Did you ever know of anyone who had great character who didn't face some challenges along the way? If you gave a child his way in everything he wanted, do you think he would grow up with good character? Not according to the Scripture. Not according to experience either. Well, we got good character, and good character then gives us something else. Hope. Hope is where we're going because hope does not disappoint us, verse 5, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Excellent verses on how God will use problems in our lives. Short-term problems, simple problems, long-term big problems. Now, let's take a look and see how a lot of times people would approach problems. I know none of us would approach them like this, but we want to be able to help other people, right? <laughs> Say yes. yes. Oh, yes, yes, very good. Okay, here is, uh, here is a big problem. And so somebody has this problem, and he sees that he's suffering some problems, and remember... We talked about uh, root sins and fruit sins. Now, you can see fruit sins. You can see people getting angry and uh, maybe they just uh, blow up and say wrong things and all that sort of stuff. Or you can see them getting into lust or strong desires for something, lack of self-control. But those come from something down in the heart. And we talked about the fact that those sins would be pride and unbelief, and idolatry, and selfishness. We won't take time to put those up here. But here's a guy with a problem. And he is, uh, comes up to the problem, and he says, you know, I don't think I want to deal with that right now. Life's just pretty fast, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So I'm actually just going to make an end run around a problem and keep on going with my life. And oftentimes, that is a real challenge because they would realize there's a fruit sin over here. Yeah, there's some things I'm not doing exactly right, but they don't understand that that's something coming from the heart. We've got to deal with a heart problem, which might be idolatry, which might be something else, might be unbelief in God because they didn't really understand God's ways. They're looking at the Bible, and they're looking at their problem, and they're saying, well, God's not working this thing out the way I'd work it out. God, why don't you do this? And so I'm praying, God, here's my plan. Here's plan A. Accept my plan, and this will all work out. And if you don't like plan A, here's plan B. And at least you can do that. 
And then God doesn't do that because he's got a better plan. And we wonder, what in the world is going on here? Well, here's the next one. Here's a guy who has a problem. And he starts off down here. And when he gets about to the problem, he shunts over here to a smaller problem, or at least what he perceives to be a problem. And the guy says, you know, my problem is I don't have enough money. Now, I don't know that money ever really solved a lot of problems and for a lot of people who had other problems in their heart. But many times people are thinking, if I just had enough money, I wouldn't have any problems. Now, that can bring a temptation. According to Scripture, he might be tempted to do what? Cheat his employer. Cheat on his income tax. He might attempt to, to get together some kind of scheme or something, some Ponzi scheme or whatever. But he's not really dealing with the problem. What's his real problem? Yeah, he doesn't really believe God who said, I will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's got a fruit sin of lack of self-control, but he doesn't understand any of those things because he's looking at something different over here. Now, that P might not stand for problem. It might stand for person. This person is my problem. If this person would just get out of my life or if they would just change into a different person, then my problems would be over. Now, there certainly is a time to maybe change your job. If your employer is not a believer and he's not doing the right things, there might be time for that. But sometimes God uses those people in our lives to teach us some things. Did Christ have any people in his life who were a problem? <laughs> the whole bunch, just about, except for that uh, remnant. So they would say, um, no, that's not, that's not the way I want to go. I think I'll deal with this and everything will be okay. Well, here's the third. Here's the problem. And this poor guy comes up here, he looks at the problem and just um, turns around and gives up. Now, we've seen people like that. Sometimes it's a, a sad situation where they just give up in life and they just can't see any way to deal with the problem. They don't have enough belief in God to believe that He could help them with the problem. And so sometimes they just become dysfunctional and they're just not doing anything or going anywhere. Sometimes they can't even keep a job. That's a sad case right there. But there's one thing we have to always believe as counselors, and it's this. You can't say can't, because with God, all things are possible. So really, you can't say can't. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I just this temptation is too much for me. I just can't do it. Uh, Jay Adams was talking about a guy who lived in a large city, and he had a job, and he walked home on the way, and he passed by these theaters, these uh, we call art theaters maybe, and he was just uh, addicted to going in these theaters. And so he went to the counselor, and the counselor said, well, isn't there any other way you can walk home? And he said, well, yes, there certainly is. And he said, well, why don't you try that? Well, the truth was, down in his heart, he had this problem, 
And because he had the problem, he walked right by the place, and then he couldn't resist the temptation to go in. At least that's what he thought. Now, here's another verse to mark in your Bible. You probably haven't marked. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I want to ask you if this is an absolute. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. We're all sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, so we're all in the same boat in a sense. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Now, would you call that a biblical absolute? Yes. Now, we might not be applying things properly. We might have some deficiency here or some deficiency here or even some deficiency here. But this is true. If we turn to God, He'll give us the grace to resist the temptation. And there may be some other things involved. Quoting some Scripture, having someone to whom I'm accountable. There could be all kinds of things. But God says... You can't give up. You've got to get in there and follow the Scripture. First, you've got to know what to do from Scripture. And then if you do it, you can expect that things are going to come out better. It may be a long-term problem. Okay, here's uh, number four quickly here. Uh, worry too much about the artwork. <laughs> but um, here's a guy, and he is ready to hit the problem head on according to the principles of Scripture. So he attacks this problem, and he finds a solution, and he moves on with the problem. When Yvonne and I were trying to build a house in Alabama, we had torn down an old railroad station, and we had all this rough sawn pine wood. I mean, a huge stack of it, big as these two tables and about that high off the ground. And so we didn't know what in the world we're going to do. And the uh, lumber looked pretty scrubby, so it wouldn't be anything you'd want to use inside your house. So one day, an old timer, we'd been praying and praying and praying. What are we going to do? Because we need a kitchen. We need kitchen cabinets. We need a countertop. We need all this stuff. We got the wood, but we can't use this wood. In fact, we almost threw the wood away because it was so rough and scrubby looking. So one day an old timer came. We had these big posts sticking up in the air. It looked like Stonehenge. And he just drove in to see what was going on, a giant barn or something. And he saw that wood and he said, where did you get this? We said, we got it out of the railroad. He said he was kind of half retired, but he had this shop. He said, if you will bring this wood down to my shop, I'll run it through the planer, and I'll build you some cabinets. And so I thought, well, I don't know. But I took the whole load down there. And when he skimmed off the surface of that wood, it was beautiful wood. It was a great solution to the problem. And he built the cabinets very inexpensively, comparatively speaking. And then there was heart pine all over everywhere. It was a great solution to the problem. But it was not a solution that I could have ever come up with. It was something that God had to do in answer to prayer. Now, before we go, let's take a quick look in John chapter 3. Here's a guy with a problem. We don't have time to really dig into this. We want to be 
on time for church, get in a little worship there. Uh, here's a guy who came to Jesus by night. You're familiar with the man. Nicodemus, what's his problem? Well, he's on number one and number two. He doesn't really know God. In other words, he's not born again. Now, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling class of the Pharisees and the Jews, Pharisees and Sadducees. And he knows everything about the Old Testament. He is one of the rulers in Israel. But Jesus tells him some things that he didn't know. Look what he said. He said, Rabbi, that's a sign of respect. He knew Jesus was uneducated in the rabbinical school, but he calls him Rabbi, teacher. We know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, that's these miracles, unless God is with him. Now, sometimes when you have a toothache, you might just have to treat it or take some antibiotics or something, but other times, probably the better solution is what? Yank that thing out of there. Now, we have to be careful with that in counseling because uh, sometimes people just don't respond to the yanking too well. <laughs> you might have to kind of slow down and meet several times and get ready. But Jesus used the yank method here. He's talking to Jesus about his ability to do miracles. Jesus is talking to him about his inability to get into the kingdom. How about that? A ruler of the Pharisees, of the uh, Jewish council there, Sanhedrin. So Jesus said to him, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born in this world to exist. You have to be born into the kingdom if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. I think that's what he's talking about in verse 5. Nicodemus said, I can go in your mother's womb be born again. Jesus said, unless one is born of the water, I think there's some controversy. I think he's talking about physical birth unless he's born of water. And through, the, through physical birth, he's born into this world. And unless he's born in spirit, then he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you got... Two different things here. Your physical life here on earth, but your spiritual life entering into heaven. Now, Jesus just cuts right to it. Do not marvel that you must be born again. And if we had time, we could go back and look in Ezekiel 37, the dry bones coming back to life. And this man should have been able to put some things together. Here's new life. Here's God resurrecting these dry bones. And now he wants to people to be born again spiritually, resurrect them spiritually. And he might have taken a look in Deuteronomy 36 where God is talking about a new heart. You get a new heart. And then in, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, he's going to take out that old heart of stone and put in a new heart of flesh, a living heart. Uh, there are verses all over the Old Testament. He's thinking, this man should have known about that. But he didn't yet understand God's ways. He was looking for the Messiah. But Jesus was the Messiah. Now, we don't have time to really fully develop that, but let me just encourage you. Other people's problems, my own problems, if I just keep bringing it to Jesus. Now, I need to get some help, obviously. If i got problems, I can reach out and get some help. But if I keep bringing that to Christ, I make it a matter of prayer. I'm looking in here just not for solutions, but I'm looking to see the character of God, because God is mighty. He is all-powerful. There is nothing He cannot do. And certainly, 
He knows how to solve my problems. Now, we might have time to finish this up, but there's a start. We want to be in this category, blasting right through the problem biblically, and it's not always just as neat uh, a cleave as this, but it'll have some ragged edges, but we will be persevering and we'll be like Christ. We'll be just meeting those challenges. We'll be taking it to the Father in prayer. We'll be meditating on the verses. Christ seemed to know a lot about the book of Deuteronomy, have it memorized where you could quote it back. So all of those kind of things are going to be part of our being able to counsel others and, as Martin Lloyd-Jones said, being able to counsel yourself when you wake up in the morning and you hear that voice talking to you. And you've got to be able to give back to that voice the scriptural answer because that's yourself talking to you. And you have to talk back to yourself and give yourself the truth. And you've got to convince yourself. And if you can convince yourself, you might be able to help some others too. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that in the Scripture here, You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. We are so grateful to You that You've given us the power and motivation to apply these principles and these uh, things that we're supposed to live by. We know we can't do them on our own, but through Christ, we can have Your grace to be able to do them. And others can have that grace too. And we pray that you would give us skill, but most of all, compassion for other people who are struggling with problems, who may not know that you use problems for our good, and you use problems to make us more like Christ. So we, like uh, James says, would rejoice in our problems, because we know you have a solution, we know you want us to learn some things, and we know as we look to you that you will supply the grace to withstand the problem, or you will supply the solution to solve the problem. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.